0: I'm Josh Cooperman and this is Lone Star House of Design, a podcast about all things design and architecture from and about the great state of Texas. Today, you're gonna hear from designer, Sherry Q of Sherry Q Interior Design. Sherry has been handcrafting impeccable design in the Lone Star State for over 25 years. In that time, her work has helped mold and craft the eclectic modern design feel of Dallas-Fort Worth through a unique blend of products, applications, and outside influences. This is Sherry Echelikiu. Are you subscribing to the podcast? If not, please do, so you get every episode automatically when they're published. You can find Lone Star House of Design everywhere you find your favorite podcasts. And now you can find us on designnetwork.org, a destination dedicated to podcasts, all things design and architecture. So make sure to check it out. So it's interesting, too, because you're in Dallas. I spent nine years living in Dallas. I love mm-hmm. Dallas. I love all of Texas, which is really why I started this spinoff from Combo by Design into Lone Star House of Design, because... There are so many things about Texas that I absolutely love. One of the things that I find so interesting, and last week kind of reminded me of this, you know, California, where I am, and Texas, where you are, two very, very different states. Yes. But, but very, very similar at the same time. We're both republics. <laughs> uh, both consider themselves republics. Both have a a staunch uh, desire to remain free uh, mm-hmm. of of federal a federal touching of any kind, <laughs> and I bring that up because it directly relates to one of the things that I really wanted to talk to you about today, and that is the state of design in Texas, which you were just on a panel of mine, and I loved it. you. You were you were magnificent, and I can't wait to air that. And I kind of wanted to drill down a little bit. Okay. I- explain how design is for someone like you. You've been in. You've been working at a really high level in Texas for some time, and while there is sort of this hands-off approach, it can be both good and bad.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, and so by hands-off, do you mean, uh, as in very individual? Uh, <clears throat> maybe
0: let me clarify. Okay. Yeah, let me clarify. So, it's interesting. Our last the last home that we lived in in Dallas was in far north Dallas and it was built in the okay. 70s and I will tell you, do not buy a home that was built in the 70s because <laughs> There, there were some issues in the seventies. That's not just in Texas, that's in California yes. as well. But because Texas has always been so hands-off as it relates and cut to what just happened last week with the yes. power grid, yes. it's always been, it's just us. We're so individual. We're going to do things our own way. California is the same way, but tends to go the other way where restrictions are so tight about yes. what you can and cannot do. <laughs> where you are, you have this freedom to do whatever you want. But with that comes some responsibility. And I'm curious, individually, because that's where the responsibility lies, how has that affected the way that you work?
1: Um, Let's see. I would say that um, I, I really enjoy the team process of what I do. And when I got out of school, it was my dream to go to New York and be part of a Parish Hadley or something like that and work, you know, with collaborate with 20 other designers and have this teamwork. And, uh, you know, but that didn't happen. And I stayed in Dallas. And that really does not exist so much here in Dallas. And there's not a giant teamwork. I mean, we obviously have to work as teams, but it seems to be that one person is put out there, kind of like being in a band. You know, it's like only only the lead singer is the one that gets all the credit, but they obviously couldn't do it alone. So um, I heavily rely on the architects, the contractors, and it's very important to me. And I stress that to the clients that we have to have everyone has a job. And everyone is bringing something to the table that is very important. Now, can I dabble in some architectural design? Yes, I can. Can I use some past experience on how to build something? Yes, I can. But I would never, ever propose to take over that very big responsibility. Um, I'm a trained interior designer, and I stay in my lane with that. And so I think that there is a lot of... Mm, wild abandon, uh, in our industry that people go out and they think just because they can, they should. And I think that (laughs) the clients, uh, will suffer for that in the end. Um, if not aesthetically, uh, structurally, um, you know, things that won't last and, uh, you know, and then that gets into the whole flipping houses market um, where people do things that, you know, cosmetically might be beautiful, but look out for what's behind all of that. Something you said I find very
0: interesting. You wanted to go into sort of, I don't know if it was an internship or to start as a young designer at a at a parish Hadley, for example, but it's anything. really interesting. I would
1: have done anything. <laughs> well,
0: I find that interesting because I... Um, i had a chance to speak with bunny williams uh (gasps) last year before an idol uh, an idol (laughs) she's wonderful and but one of the things that she said with her experience specifically with with parish hadley she said you know that she learned not just what she wanted from sister parish but she also learned what she didn't want from sister parish um sister parish liked chaos and mayhem and Bunny doesn't like that, And Bunny didn't want that in her own firm. So I think yes. it's interesting because I feel like mentorship is so important, but you went a different path. So I kind of want to back up a second. Tell okay. me, t- give me the origin story. Tell me the journey. You knew what you wanted to do. And yes. this is one of those industries where you kind of blaze your own trail. You, you, you can go any number of ways. No way is wrong. There, right, but there's right. a, you know, and no way is right but you kind of have to figure it out for yourself.
1: Exactly. And I think most designers will tell you, you know, it was not a a plan necessarily. It was what happened, (laughs) if they were honest. (laughs) So, um, but fortunately, I'm very, very uh, appreciative of the uh, circumstances that happened to me. I graduated from college and uh, got my first job with Sherry Hayslip that i know you have uh, oh i love you. her <laughs> yes
0: i love her oh that's yes. so great
1: so she is you know fabulous inspiring she's such a wonderful talent and um so i worked with her in the very beginning so that in itself was such an eye-opening experience um to step into this design world and uh you know, Back then, which was the 80s, um, things were very uh, traditional, very period, um, very much ensconced in that. And my education, which I find to be in most things, all of the interns I've had are trained the same way, um, was very contemporary and very... Um, very simplistic. So I knew nothing about drapery design. I knew nothing about all of these things that Sherry was so expertise in, and and I learned all of that from her. And she really, uh, you know, was such a force that I so appreciated that time with her. And when I left her, I went to work with Marguerite Green, um, who has passed away since, but she was also a fabulous interior designer and very different though. So the opposites of those two highly successful designers taught me that there is not the way. And that was so freeing for me. And so I knew then that I didn't have to do it this way or this way. I could find another way, but certainly learned so much from those two women. And, um, you know, the business as a young interior designer can be challenging. Um, It is, uh, you know, you work your way up through the ranks. And so um, I was uh, a little bit considering leaving the field, um, when I left Marguerite Green, because um, it was a very, very busy time and I felt like all I did was work. And you know, here I am in my mid to late 20s and I'm like, you know, I might like to go out on a date at some point. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> so I really thought that I would maybe look on another, direction you know maybe I wanted to go into another field and so my mother actually said you know while you're not working why don't you come and help me you know do some things around the house and so I said okay I will and so I went and found some things and pulled her living room together and I was like you I think I really really do love this I just need to find another path in which I can have a little more balance and so um, my then, boyfriend encouraged me to go and try this on my own. And I said, you know, I can't just go be self-employed. You can't just go be self-employed. And he, and he, who's always been self-employed, said, of course you can. And so then I just put out the word to friends and said, you know, if you need anything, you know, and it started with a paint color here, you know, upholstery here. And so I thought, well, you know, if I can make enough money to live on, you know, I can do this until I find a real job. And so I laughingly say now that I haven't had to find a real job yet.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. But it's interesting. You, what you did was you traded one real job for 27 imaginary ones (laughs) because there are so many things I kind of envision designers like, like astronauts and the architects are the ones at Houston space you know at nasa in space they're kind of like driving it they're down there everything's safe they'll figure things out but they'll do it from terra firma you know the designers (laughs) are like let's do this and let's do that and then when something goes wrong it's like i have to go fix something now but when you fix something you know nine other things wind up design is really one of those things that I, i i think clients it's it's really interesting to me because i don't think clients most clients ever really appreciate all of the things that go into the trade and, and that go that go into the work, right? And I that agree. being said, so along your journey, you know, the really, really strong designers are the ones that do know drapery and do know tile and do know wood. And, and it's not just a matter of, does it look pretty? It's how does it function? And, and I think that that, you know, we talk about the homes of the seventies, uh, and the flippers were very similar, that's what was lost is sort of like the, how right. does it function? Let's just talk about yeah. how does it look, you know? Yes. And with that, I kind of go back to the original question because in California where, yeah. where I am, you know, low flow toilets and low flow shower heads, that's just the beginning of this. Everything else is so strict as far as what you can and cannot do. It makes it really, really challenging where you are. You really do have this wide open uh, ability to do what you want at the same time with the electrical grid, as we learned last week, sometimes that's not always the best thing. And I think it provides kind of a, a good example as to the why quality is important, yeah. not just in product, but service as well. Right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I'm very concerned about our state and our electrical grid right now. Um, I, I'm not sure how they're going to fix that with this very big, big state.
0: Well, so the broader question, right? And the broader issue is, and this is one of the things that I learned ever since March 12th of 2020. When the pandemic started, mm-hmm. I, did a, I did a limited series called Designing for Disaster. Because here in Southern California, we've got earthquakes. We've got floods, we've got wildfires, we've got Mm -hmm. air quality issues, we've had riots. You know, you really have just about everything you can imagine. And when home is the safe place, one has to design for anything. And I think in in the past, we've kind of taken advantage that of the fact that, you know, municipalities will protect us no matter what we will always have safe drinking water. Well, that's not obviously true. Flint. Right. We right. will always have great air quality. Well, you know, after three, four weeks of wildfires in Southern California, it's not so great. Mm-hmm. We'll always have protection from earthquakes or for, you know, freezes or but that's not obviously the case. So the responsibility falls back on the professionals, the trade. To yeah. help, help people understand how to design their home, not just for making it look pretty so that their friends can come over and crush on what they have, but also how to make it safe and comfortable and that sanctuary. So I'm curious, has, has the, how has the, I'm not has it, but how has the last 12 months changed
1: the way that you view what you do? Let's see. I would say that in our we've always treated the home as a sanctuary for being able to function in your daily life, be that you need a place to get work done at home, whether you need your technology set up, you know, the, the mechanical aspect of it is very, um, it's so much driven into the architect and the contractors aspect, but as designers, um, we are, uh, if you're a member of, as American Society of Interior Designers, we are required to take health, safety, and welfare classes each year and learn about these things for air quality in a building and the things that can help us, um, you know, benefit our well-being at home and, and in enclosed spaces, even in workplaces. And um, so I think that, you know, making sure that you're uh, the, the atmosphere around you, it, you know, the indoor outdoor quality that we want, although in Texas, you know, that is a limited time of year um, the windows being able to open the having plants indoors to help filter your air um, and a lot of the new technology that has come into the thermostats and the, uh The lighting, Uh, so many things are happening in our industry so quickly with technology to help us um, address issues and make them be uh, more reliable, more uh, environmentally friendly, um, even in the materials that we use uh, in our upholstery and our woodworking and even our sourcing of where things come from.
0: Do you think that is that is that a popular thing for you that you think right now? I mean, you know, when we look at when we look at air, mm-hmm. water, noise is a is a big thing now. Yeah, um, and I don't think people really paid attention to noise as much prior to the last twelve months because mm-hmm. uh, you know when you're stuck at home that lawnmower that goes, you know, at 11 o'clock every Monday. Well, you know, you were at the office. You didn't have to deal with that before. You didn't have kids that were were at home in school that you didn't have to deal with. Are you, are you noticing changes in what two things, two part question here for you? Are you noticing changes in what your clients are asking you for as it relates to the, to design and how much, how much busier are you now, because of this, and I guess a third part is, where did these, where did this new business come from? Word of mouth? Was it people just looking for you because they're, they're trying to find someone to help them with their space because it's so hard to find good professionals? I mean, I know that's a completely loaded question for you, but I'm just curious where this is all going.
1: Um, so I would say that um, you know, a lot of people in the beginning of the pandemic were asking me, you know, just assuming that I had no business going on, that I was sitting at home doing nothing. Um, well, of and- course. <laughs> I was like, I-, I don't know where you get your information. <laughs> But I also had friends that were coming out of the woodwork because they were stuck at home and bored and saying, you know, can you just run over and pick some paint colors? I'm like, number one, we're in a pandemic. <laughs> number two, uh, yeah, I'm still very busy. And so um, so I, we were in the middle of venturing into uh, the software package that Erin uh, Valensich, if I say her name right, Style Row.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, so we were in the middle of learning that uh, in March when we got sent home. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I have to say, I love it. And we went home and we were up and running and did not miss a beat. We did not miss one single work day when we got sent home. And we were able to communicate via that. And then thank goodness my IT guy got us to where we could access everything at the office. And so um, so we kept going. We had several projects in construction. And um, so we were able to complete those projects. Um, we had uh, a lake house that we could go to and safely drive and uh you know, feel like we were safe with the COVID while we were finishing the construction. And, uh, we had a project in Miami that was a little bit scarier to get on an airplane at that time. And, um, and then even a project in Vail that I, uh, had photographed and passed on being there for the photography, just because I did not want to get on the airplane for that. And so, um, so the new work that has come has been people moving to Texas, which has been huge. We have such an influx of new people um, and then continued work uh, for clients from the past. I've been very lucky that I've had clients that date back t- to the beginning of my company 30 years Isn't
0: ago. Isn't that amazing?
1: Isn't it amazing? Is. It is. And they're like family to me. And so, um, and so, you know, it's just such a wonderful relationship to be able to, now I go and when I'm at their homes, you know, in different States, I stay with them. And instead of staying at a hotel, you know, it's like, I, I just stay with them and, you know, there's none of that. So, um, so it's fun to do all of that but I have gotten several new projects in the last few months from people moving to Texas um, and it my business has always been word of mouth and I've been very lucky for that back up a second um, talking about style row yes
0: tell me tell me about I, I'm familiar with what Aaron's done um, it's funny because I, I've known Aaron since 2012 she worked on the first design house that i ever produced
1: okay and
0: yeah she's great and i think it's really interesting what she's created yeah. how did how does that work within your design firm what did it give you that you didn't have before
1: to me uh, the beauty of it is being able to all of us in the firm have one place to gather ideas So you can gather anything, drawings, plans, product. You can gather anything and have a link to it with her clipper that is so much more advanced than any other clipper I've used with any kind of bookkeeping software or anything. And so having all of that pulled together by room, by project And we're all in three different places and I get to go through, see what they've done, pick and choose, uh, toss things out, make comments, ask questions. If they have forgotten to give me a finished choice, I can just hit the link and go to it instead of having to Google that item and dig down into it and find out where it is. Um, and, um, so that was one of my biggest uh, my biggest strengths about it. And then at the flick of a button, you can uh, you can export it to an Excel spreadsheet for any kind of tracking. You can um, turn it into a PowerPoint. So instead of collecting all of this information and getting a million emails from my staff to pull it all together. And then we have to take that information, transfer it into our bookkeeping system or transfer it into a PowerPoint. And then you don't have all your information inevitably, and you have to go back and find that item again. So it was just such a beautiful, concise thing that really pulled all of these things together. And I had such trust in her because she is a designer. She's a furniture designer. She's a furniture fabricator. She's, you know, she has every aspect of what we do in our business and I think she truly will reinvent our business and make it much more streamlined.
0: That is super. No, here's the here's the interesting part of this though. Design is not a is not a new industry. No. And What's fascinating to me is the amount of new tech, new resources, new opportunities that are made available to the design trade now that wasn't available before. I mean, it's so interesting to me how designers have have sort of been forced to just do what they can to survive where in other industries, especially as, as rapidly as tech has advanced, that there aren't more tools and resources for the for the design trade, and I'm curious, what do you feel like you need now that does not already exist?
1: Okay, I will tell you that um, I'm I'm kind of anti techy. Yeah. So I am the person who has a paper copy of everything. I'm so so sorry. I'm trying very hard to uh, you know go a little more green and keep things, but I I don't trust this machine that it has everything in it that I need. To get out of it and so i'm very visual i need to look at it and so um what i need at this point and and you know literally i have to say this quick thing about 4 or 5 years ago I had an assistant that I said I need wallpapers for XYZ and I need them to be XYZ go get them uh, you know I need them for tomorrow and I need to look at them today and so uh, I you know see that she never leaves the office you know and I'm just like so I finally walked down the hall and I'm like I have to have those wallpapers you have to go to the design center and she said oh she said I've already ordered the samples and she said I'm going to pick them up in just a little bit and I'm like how did you know what to look for and where did you look? And she said, I looked at them online and I'm like, you can look at wallpaper online.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Never you occurred can. To me. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I have come a lot farther and style row has taught me that I can do that, but I will still always, always I'm so glad to be in a city that has such a fabulous design center where I can go and touch and feel and sit. I don't know how people buy a chair without sitting in it. Um, everyone sits differently. And uh, what a disaster if you get that chair and it looks great and it sits horribly. Well, I was
0: just, I was just going to ask you about that because two things, first of all, you can't do a sit test online. And the other thing is you, you also, when you're looking at something online, like I can look at the wallpaper on the wall behind you, but I can't tell you exactly what those shades of green or taupe or or blue, I can't tell you.
1: Our whole world is all about in hand. You can't do it online. You can start the process online, but you cannot successfully complete it online. You cannot. I'll never no. be convinced of that.
0: Well, so that brings up the, the next thing that I wanted to ask you about is resources. So you mentioned that you've got a great design center in, in Dallas. Yes. You, uh, you do. You've got a strong design center. You've got a strong design community, architecture community. It's really great. Over the last year though, it's, it's been tough. You, you know, everything's been operating at a, at a 20% capacity. If, if that no round top, no, you know, what are the resources that you miss most and what do you expect as far as things coming back online?
1: I would say um, the things that I miss most are the unique small shops that have been so hurt by the internet um, where you go in and you find the one of a kind piece um, that, you know, you, you can't really sell on the internet because there's only one. And so those shops have really, really suffered with the internet exposure. And those are the things that I miss most. And, you know, I have, the ones that I've worked with for years and years, but uh, they're struggling, and I hate that for them and and we need that source to complete really refined interiors. So
0: has the has the responsibility kind of shifted onto the manufacturers instead, you know, traditionally, you have the showrooms, the manufacturer's show within each of the showrooms. And you know I'm not telling, I'm not telling, I'm just kind of walking through it in my head. You have the manufacturers who their responsibility is to make sure that, the, that it merchandises well within the showroom and that everything that, that you would, that a designer would need to see samples, sample kits, color wheels, whatever you need is there. Designers would traditionally go to the showroom. Now that has been changing rapidly over the yeah. last, I would say seven to 10 years, mm-hmm. but that being said, how how has your relationship changed with the manufacturers that you work with most?
1: I would say I'm having to lean on them much more heavily. And unfortunately, it makes me shy away from newer people that I'm not familiar with their product um, because I can call and you know talk to an A Rudin or a Berman Rossetti and say, you know, I love this chair you have, I love this sofa you have, I love the way this one sits and this one's too wide and too deep. So does this chair that I see online sit more like this one or sit more like this one? And I have the relationship to trust what they're telling me enough. And if it's a you know depending on how you know, critical that sit is. You know, um, we will ship a chair in. We will find where they have a chair in the closest city that my client might be in to go see it. Um, but sometimes, you know, it's a it's a chair that the sit is not so critical. You know, you're going to sit there maybe an hour or two. You know, you're not going to live your life in that chair. So if my manufacturer tells me it's comfortable and is doing what I have experienced in the past, I can trust them, my client trusts me, and we can go forward. Whereas, if I see something gorgeous online that I have never heard of the vendor before, I so wish I could see their product in person, but I, you know, cannot afford to push that product without ever having sat in it because really designing a chair, designing something to sit in, I think is the most difficult thing there is. One, yeah quarter of an inch makes all the difference in the world.
0: Well, it's interesting too, that you say that. And you mentioned A. Rudin, which, which really great company, family owned. Um, mm-hmm. You, you do, you do know what, what you're getting there yes. at the same time. You know, it's, it's so interesting because you have that family owned and operated. And then on the other side of it, you have the consolidated, especially in the appliance brand, you know, especially kitchen appliances and that sort of thing, where you've got all this consolidation under major umbrella companies. Yeah. And you 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 still the tech is going is is developing so quickly. It's really amazing. Did you ever think that you would have the ability to work with, you know, what what Gen Air is doing these days, what Monogram, what Mila um, are doing these days, Sub Zero Wolf. Absolutely amazing. Yes. And the tech that's behind it and all the products when you do a lot of kitchen and bath. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious your relationships specifically, you know, for this, for this conversation, you talk about an A. Rudin, there's a chair, you can do a sit test with a bathroom, you know, you're, you pick a slab, a gorgeous slab, your relationship with your fabricator is still more important than it ever was before. Your So I, over time, you get to sort of foster and develop these relationships, which I think, and the question is now, are these more valuable than ever? Because trying to get somebody out, look, try to get a pool built before 2022. It's not going to happen. Absolutely. So how has that affected your relationship with those trades and with those manufacturers? And, And who are you absolutely loving what they do right now?
1: Um OK, I would say that um, I have always always valued my vendors and those relationships and now I really feel the, the payback and the loyalty that they have to me. and I'm so grateful for those relationships. And um, I think that, uh, Let's see, the people that I am amazed by, um, you know, after you've been in this business for so long, to see people still keep creating new and fabulous things that you're so excited about, it's like, how do you keep going? How do you keep reinventing and creating new things that are still more fabulous than the last? And so um, for the first time, I feel like I am leaning a little bit on... And I've never, ever done this. Like people have always said, what's your favorite sofa? What's your favorite chair? And I'm like, I have no idea. It's also client dependent. So room specific. And now I'm just like going, "Mm, I I can name a few that I can like swear by and promise you. I could tell you the most comfortable chair that you could sit in. I could ship it to you. And I promise you, you would call me and tell me, yes, it is. And so <laughs> I have those and I rely on them and not that I like to repeat design I would have to make it look very different but um I do have those and so the people that are doing the most phenomenal things right now um and are we talking about product are we talking about uh, any kind of thing because uh I'm so fascinated with lighting right now Are you um, Yes John Pomp is just amazing and he just like, I would love to meet him. He seems so laid back and so carefree and yet he is just popping out these new designs and now he's doing furniture that is amazing. And um, so I'm very, very fascinated by all the lighting that is coming out. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's sustainable. It's uh you know, no heat coming out. There's, you know, so many things that are good for us and it looks good. And I remember the day when we were all panicking that the incandescent bulb was going away, you know, and, uh, one vendor even saying that, you know, it will kill design. It will kill all lighting. <laughs> so, so, uh, you have to keep moving forward, but, um, right now I'm having a terrible time with a refrigerator. So I'm very down on all refrigerators. Are you? <laughs> It went out in March. Uh, It's a uh, two, it's a two over two doors and the bottom freezer and refrigerator. I have had no ice since March. I I don't even know what ice is anymore. (laughs) I'm ice free. (laughs) And so I am, you know, but you, you can't even get a refrigerator now because of the pandemic. And so even if we wanted to buy a new one, which they're still supposedly servicing it, um, I think we've had uh, 12 visits uh, from our repairman. Wow. And each time I'm like, can you kill it now?
0: <laughs> you know, what's funny is when, when we stop recording, I'm going to ask you who it is. <laughs> <laughs> so I know. <laughs> but um, don't
1: go there. Don't go there. <laughs> I, I,
0: it is interesting that you bring that up, though, because there was a time where and and I think it, it's not it's not fair to say that those times don't exist anymore but there was a time when the quality level that went into certain things was expected to be so high that you know a, a refrigerator was expected to last 10 or 15 years. But look at one point a car was expected to last 10 or 15 years either. Yeah. And that's not really how that industry is designed either.
1: Mm-mm. No, no, it is. Or, or the phone, the, the cell phone. Yeah, I think it's just controlled obsolescence and, um, you know, causing us to have to buy new. And and that is so contrary to our technological advances. You would think that the opposite would be true and you would want to replace it to get a newer, better technology, but not because it broke.
0: <laughs> that so that work. being so that being said when it comes time for you to specify for your clients
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know it's really interesting there was a time when designer would go with their client they would go to the showroom and the salesperson would educate the designer and the client at the same time what are you mm-hmm. looking for okay here's this in this package and this goes with this and that goes with that you can't really rely on that anymore the designer has to know yeah so much more than you did in the past yes and it's so hard to keep up with new information so and and I'm, I'm kind of drilling down on this relationship aspect with with the vendors and the trades yeah because I feel it's so important now more than ever before like when you were a new designer mm-hmm. brand new you know I would venture to guess that your focus was more on, on how to get the work and how to make the work look pretty and how to make the work look interesting and make the client love the way that it looks. Because I feel like many new designers come out of the gate feeling like it's all about the way that it looks. And it's only right. And it's only after you do this for a while that you realize it's not about how it looks. It's you, you have a quote on your website and it's, uh, I had to write it down. De- design is not what it looks like and feels like. Design is how it works. That yes. is Steve Jobs. Yep. And that's on your website.
1: Yes. Yes. And I actually have believed that from day one. And it has always been a part of my integrity that I not only want you to be happy today, five years from now, I want you to be 10 times more grateful. That we work together. And so um, and sometimes I have to tell clients, it's like, you know, I know that I might be pushing you out of your comfort zone, but I want you to know everything there is available to you, because just because you've seen this, I know that you probably need to be going here and I will tell you why, but I don't want you now that you understand hardware, you know, so a client doesn't study doorknobs when they go to parties. And so suddenly they're selecting their doorknobs for their home. And I'm like, I need you to know where you need to go to have a quality, wonderful piece that you're going to love two years from now when you've forgotten the pain of having to pull, you know, select all these things. And then you're going to become aware. You're going to start looking at hardware. Every hotel you go to, every fine home you go to, you're going to look at the doorknob because you've had to select your doorknob. And I need you to be grateful for what you selected and not be sorry because I showed you what the trendy thing was and that was what you saw somewhere and we just bought it. So I take my job very seriously to educate my client to go beyond what they could have picked out by themselves from a magazine, from a website, so that they know why they're getting it so that they can appreciate it. And so I have always taken that very seriously and felt like my integrity was on the line there. And so um, I've always felt that way.
0: So I have a question for you that I'm curious about. Because I don't, you know, oftentimes, you know, I, I want to know, not necessarily know the answer to what you're going to say, but at least have an idea. And I've been doing Lone Star House of Design for a while now. I've kind of picked up on some things. And I'm just curious, does Texas, you know, California has a style, mm-hmm. California casual, California chic, California coastal, California has all of those things kind of like you still have california spanish you have california traditional you still have all of these different areas based on who the architects were but california has a style based on a feel based on an idea right yes
1: Yes.
0: i have noticed similar things in other areas of the country seattle definitely Mm -hmm. has you know washington not so much but seattle has a vibe has a (laughs) feel colorado has many, many, because it is, you know, it really is America's playground. So yeah. you kind of have that, that woodsy recreational vibe that goes into all elements of design. It feels like.
1: Right.
0: Does Texas have a style?
1: I, hmm. Want to tread lightly. Um, <laughs> I think there are many layers to Texas design and I think that at the best layer, I think that Texas is a welcoming, friendly, loving, entertaining place to be. And I think at that level, we do have a style. It can be contemporary. It can be transitional. It can be ranchy. It can be lake house But we want to gather. We want to gather. We want to have people over. We want to entertain. We like to cook. We like to eat. We like to drink. And so in that way, yes, I do think that Texas has a style. Um, and so at a lower level, I think there is a lot of, and and I am assuming it's the same in other markets, but this is a level I don't really like to pay too much attention to, but a lot of trend contemporary you know it's like whatever the trend is like you know i can name every trend of every decade since the 70s in texas and you know and and that's what i try to tell my clients it's like you don't want your house to look like it was built in this year and i can go you know and and i would say that probably for the last 5 to 7 years a lot of my bread and butter is getting rid of the nineties.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: That brown and gold period we, we mm. committed.
0: <laughs> and,
1: yeah. and it's not an easy fix. It's not an easy fix.
0: <laughs> no. And what's interesting is each decade you, you have, you have the sins of, of each decade. And that's yeah. why I asked, I ask when it comes to style, specifically not about architectural or design style, because you know I've railed against the idea of color of the year yes. for years now. I, I really don't like it. And I, and I don't like it for a couple of reasons. Not the least of which is that designers aren't designing for a year. No. You know pe- People don't design their home for a year or six months or eight months at a time. And to say, okay, well, this is the color palette for this year. Well, that's what that may be good for one out of 10 Yes. And it's only good. And, and I understand why it's a marketing tool. And when it was first launched, it was great. I get it. I, I don't like it because I think we're better than that as an industry. Yes. Yeah. And I think, listen, I will tell you something. It's not to say that the colors aren't great, but I, I think that there are some really remarkable things that paint companies do. And I think that they you know they could really do better with the idea i think it gets people to think okay you know brown and gold is a, is a, is a color combination of a, of a, a decade right yes avocado green and harvest gold that is a color combination <laughs> of a of a decade right yes. and you know whether how hard you try to get rid of the 70s or your aqua blue and your yes. hot pink
1: there's yes. the
0: 80s and your yes. brown and look i get it right
1: <laughs> or, or the gray period yeah. the gray period. So that yeah. was the most painful was going from the brown and gold to the all gray. But like, I'm so anti that, that I will fight it tooth and nail. It's like, oh, it's like, darn, I really loved that color. I'm so sad. It's the color of the year because <laughs> I won't use it now.
0: <laughs> yeah. And and I think that that's happened a lot. I think that, that that's really important. And now that you have, you know, like seven companies all doing a color of the year. So you have, yeah. you have these these, you know, combative ideas of what's popular. That's why I don't like it because I, and I, I love your answer. I think that that sort of Texas social style, regardless of architectural style or regardless of design, um, that ethos behind it is so cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We love, we love to gather. We love uh, to mingle. We love to raise a glass and eat. (laughs)
0: I I love that. And what's, what's fun too, is I'm, I'm looking at your Instagram as we're, as we're talking. And what I would love is if you would send me some images. And then when I publish the video, I'll, I'll put some of the images of your work. Cause while you're talking about this Texas social style, eating, drinking, gathering, loving, being together, it is definitely represented in your work. And I, and I love that.
1: Thank you. I, I pride myself on making homes be you know, all about my clients, and all about what they want, and it looking like them. So my projects don't look alike. But I think that you can tell, you know, that, that I've been there with the purpose. But uh, it, it's, oh, it's yeah. not it's not a signature for sure.
0: Well, and I love it. And I love your work. And I thank really i am so appreciative that you came on today. I love this conversation. Cherry, thank you so much.
1: Thank you. You are such a calming force. Um, This is not my forte to speak about these things publicly. So you are such a good, good presenter and host.
0: Thank you, Sherry, for your time and your talent. Thank you, Walker Zanger and Thermosol for your support. And thank you for subscribing and downloading the show. And if you're not already, please subscribe so you catch every episode of lone star house of design and convo by design the moment they're published you can also ask your smart speaker to play convo by design and if you really want more follow along convo by and convo by design with an x on instagram for show inquiries sponsorship and guest inquiries email me convo by Outlook.com. be well and until next week take today first <sighs>